What's up? Welcome back to Diamond Download yet again. Um, we're here with uh, Chase Diamond and myself, Cardinal Mason, in Miami, and then OC. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Chase, how was your weekend, bro? Yeah, I did good. I celebrated Mother's Day with my wife and the family, and it was great. Didn't get a whole lot of work done, but it was nice to take some time off. What about yourself? I also celebrated Mother's Day. Gave my mom a FaceTime because she's pretty far away right now. She's a three-hour flight away. Um, texted my ex's mom. Um, you know, same old, same old. Spent the week in West Palm. It was very nice, very peaceful. Dude, I love it. By the way, the feedback I've been getting so far, and I'm sure you're probably getting some too. People are really enjoying this. This is this is fun. I I like making it. So the fact that people like listening is also a plus. I enjoy making them too, man. This is my favorite part of the week. I'm not gonna lie. Heck yeah. What this we got today? Pardon me? What we got today? I know you got the topics. Yeah. Um, so let's let's get right into it. Let's talk about dirty money. Um, I wanted to talk about this because I think that there's plenty of ways to make money, some legal, some illegal. I think that this is all hypothetical. No one should actually do this, <laughs> but it's interesting to talk about nonetheless. Why don't you start? Yeah, I, I do have one, but if why don't you start? Talk about uh, some some of your favorite ways to illegally, hypothetically make money. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I know you were kind of just briefly telling me about this before. Um, I don't know necessarily about me making money this way, but I've been like, I, I don't know. I've got like a couple thoughts on my mind. Like, I don't, I would never do this and I don't like it, but like, I think like the OnlyFans stuff that people run those agencies, like that is really weird to me. Like that seems dirty. Again, if people are listening to this, do that. Like, I don't mean to offend anyone. Like, I, I feel bad saying mean things, but like, I think that is like a dirty way to make money running like OnlyFans agencies. Like, as soon as you mentioned that, like two seconds before we started recording, like, I guess I, that's what I would think about. And, and then I'll have to spend more time. What are your thoughts? What do you think about? Dude, you know, it's so funny because I didn't know you were going to say that. I didn't know you even knew about OnlyFans agencies, but I actually met a guy at a cigar lounge in Miami who's like 19 or 20, but he looks like a grown ass man. And he's doing... OnlyFans agencies. And the thing that I am about to talk about, he's doing both of them at the same time. And I told him he was first. I was like, bro, you're going to hell. And he did not find that funny. But all his friends laughed because they knew it was true. But he was probably like up at night thinking like, damn, like maybe I am a bad person. But yeah, dude. So that's definitely one thing. I know a lot of people doing that. Um, like I said, not knocking it. You know, it's a way to make money if everyone is consent consenting to it. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with it. And it's not for me, but... Yeah, that's, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Have you heard of a little thing called Black Hat MRR? No. What's that? Okay. So this is, this is, I'm like, I, I know a couple of, I've met a couple of people who do this. Um, like I said, don't recommend it to anyone. So basically what it is, is you run a dropshipping store um, and you run on the front end, basically just break even. Like you're, you don't even have to profit. But what happens, and this is the part you probably heard of, where you have like a hidden checkbox where like the box is pre-checked, but it's hidden. You can't even see it on the page. And it's opting into a VIP group that you pay $30 a month for. And oh, so man. you're running up all these like front-end break-even ads or whatever. And then you're just getting all these rebills for $30 a month, sometimes more. But $30 is kind of the sweet spot where like, I've heard the stat is like only 5% of people in the first month charge back. Um, and like, but th so that's the one thing where like most people don't even notice you're just billing their card every single month and they don't Jeez. even lose 
However, the where it gets crazy is some people are doing literal identity fraud where it's like, because this is kind of sketchy and some people aren't doing it compliant because there is a way to do it properly. Like we know one person who won a lawsuit because um, they were doing it the right way, I guess, even if there is a right way to do it. Um, but people are like basically taking social security numbers from other people, random people, creating an LLC with it, and then running it through 18 other LLCs in random different countries that all own each other. And it somehow ends up in, in a, a bank account that you get access to. Wow. And so, dude, this is an intense operation that a lot of people are doing. And it's made me realize that like anybody I know who's really printing with e-commerce is probably doing this. Like you can make good money doing dropshipping. Like I'm thinking of like dudes under 23, like younger than me, right? Dudes who are doing dropshipping, like you can make, you know, 50 to 100K a month profit if you're gonna, if you're really, really good at running a dropshipping brand or an e-commerce brand. But the guys who are making like millions a month in profit are just doing this, which is insane. Isn't that wild? Yeah, never heard of it. Don't know anyone doing it. Would not advise to do it. Would not be happy if someone did that to me, but that is crazy. It's it's interesting in a bad way. Like it's interesting because I didn't know about this, and I can't believe people are doing that. Like, and they're doing so well with it. Dude, it's wild. I guess like when there's a will, there's a way. But there's just so much better white hat, easy ways to make money. But I I like the topic. It's interesting. I'd be curious if people are listening. Like, have you heard of the OnlyFans agencies? Have you heard of this black hat? Would say MRR. Uh, what are what are some other ways that people are doing this? If you if you're listening and you know anything. Not that you're doing and not that you support, but, you know, things that you've heard of. I'm curious. Also, the, there's one more that I don't know a ton about. It's pretty straightforward. It's called no ship where like you basically just churn and burn dropshipping stores and just never ship any product. But like there was a viral product that was going around, at least on TikTok. I saw it a bunch for a while. I almost bought it. It was a go-kart. Like it was like this electric, uh, like electric go-kart that you could just drive around. And it was like 70 bucks or something like that. And from what I heard, they they were doing like $200,000 a day because I know someone who was doing that or I know someone who knew someone who was doing that. And so it's insane. It's insane what people are doing. So yeah, it's interesting. On that, on that note, actually, um, there was a guy that we used to work with who used to do this legitimately where he was selling like um, followers. Again, they were just like a bunch of you know bots or profiles or whatever. I, I don't exactly know what they were, but he was doing it legitimately where he would actually sell the service, people knew what they were getting, and then he would fulfill. He then ended up getting sued by Instagram for like $10 million, got a seasoned assist, uh, kind of went quiet, went dark, came back recently, tried hitting us up to work with him. And we're like, dude, you know, we never really wanted to work with you before. You're a cool dude, but we never wanted to touch it before. We especially don't want to touch it now. And he's not fulfilling that amount from what I've heard. Like, I know people have used his sites and I'm assuming I'm like 99% sure they're his he's selling these growth services and he's just not fulfilling that where it's like before it was like this gray area where he was selling stuff, but he was at least fulfilling. Now he's selling it, but he's not fulfilling and he's doing six, seven figures, you know, a month, if not even more, it's, it's insane. Um, so it, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to sleep at night thinking about these things, but there's so many people out there making money in such weird ways. Yeah, man. The same thing for all those automation stores, like just heads up for literally anyone watching this. Um, like if, if anyone ever says like Amazon automation, Walmart automation, Shopify automation, YouTube automation, <laughs> stuff like that, exotic car automation, just know that you're going to buy something for like 30 to 50,000 and no one is going to fulfill on it and you're going to be out. So 
don't even don't even waste your time thinking about it. If it seems yeah. good to you, it probably is. That's like I, I think that's the the message here. Yeah, hundred percent. What's what's the next topic? Let's move on to a, a brighter one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the best city for entrepreneurs. Um, I think there's, there's a lot now. It seemed like back in the day, it was literally just like LA or bust, maybe New York. But like now, yeah, SF for like tech, right? Yeah. Oh my God. SF is terrible now, dude. I Literally every time I log on Twitter, I see some sad tech bro. Like, oh, my car got broken into for the ninth time this week. Like, don't know what to do. Move, move out. <laughs> what, what are you seeing? What do you think is, what do you think is like a really good city for entrepreneurs to like grow in? Let's say they're like, in their early 20s, mid 20s, where should people go? Yeah, it's interesting. So I'm in Orange County, California, and I wouldn't say it's good or bad here. I've got like a good group of some buddies that I know, but it's a lot quieter. Where I think what you're doing in Miami, and I know you moved there, what, probably about six months ago at this point? Something like that, yeah. About six months ago. I think like what you're doing right now is actually really cool. You've got a bunch of other young guys that are hustling, maybe some young gals. I don't, I don't know the, the demo breakup, but I know a lot of your buddies. You guys are all, you know, doing really, really well and kind of pushing each other to get better, hanging out, having a bunch of fun. So I don't know. I, th- I think Miami is a really cool one just based off what I've seen from you and other people. It seems also like places that are like kind of up and coming in terms of like real estate. Things like Denver, Colorado, a couple of years ago, I think was like a cool hub. I think Austin, Texas is one that people think about. Um, I think like Nashville, Tennessee. I just think like certain markets where like real estate is booming and things are like affordable and they cater to like a younger crowd. I know you spent some time in, uh, was it Charleston, Carolina? Like, I just feel like there's a couple places like that that are like on the rise. What are you saying? What do you, what do you think with? Dude, I think like Miami has really impressed me. Um, I, I like, I think it's really good for like info crypto guys that are like, where it's like, it's not the most legit businesses, but they are, you know, legit. They're doing everything right. It's just like a little bit different from like, you know, in California, it seems like that's where all the DC is. Yeah. It seems like Austin is where tech is right now. Um, but I, I'm seeing a lot of people kind of like, even, you know, just coming to Miami just because it's a good time, right? Like I've been to a couple of founders dinners. There's one tomorrow I, or tonight, actually, that I'm still waiting to see if I got RSVP for. It's uh, Boys at Retention, uh, Teresa. So Teresa, if you well, actually shoot, this won't come out, but if it, I hopefully get in. But anyway, I think there's a lot of like, really talented people that will like pass through, like they'll visit here. Yeah. And if you know Miami, like I'm lucky where like, I, I know the city pretty well at this point. Like I can kind of like show people around and show them a good time if they, if they want to. So I don't know. I, but I think it, like it's different for everyone. I think it's more based around like, first of all, what you're trying to build and two, like yeah. your personality style. Yeah. As you're talking about that, it reminded me um Soho house, right? You joined Soho house somewhat recently. Right? I think like the places where there's like really trendy uh, networking groups or communities like that. Like, you know, LA has a Soho house. I think you mentioned that. Was it Soho house? Is that correct? It is Soho house, but I got accepted, but they never took my payment. So they like froze my membership and I can't get back in. So sorry, Dan Snow for <laughs> put his neck up for me. Oh man. Well, like to that point though, like I, I don't remember all of them, but I remember when you told me you got in, I was looking at them. There was places like Barcelona and I think London and New York. So I also think too, like, and maybe that's like less kind of entrepreneurial and that's more kind of like potentially established businesses. But I think when you look at communities, um, like really trendy, not WeWorks, but like WeWork competitors, there's a couple, there's one called like uh, Galvanize and there's a couple other. 
I think like wherever those communities and those groups are and where like the people are hosting dinners and events, I think that's like where either A is a great place for people to travel and work together remotely or B are like up and coming or currently popular destinations potentially. Yeah. I also don't think that you choose your city. I think it chooses you. So like all of my friends that I had made on social media just so happened to like either live or move to Miami. Um, and so Miami was kind of like the number one option. Like, I don't really know anyone my age, except for maybe like Tommy and maybe a couple of others in Austin. Yeah. Um, and definitely not in California. I think there's like only two or three dudes that I know in, in California, all fun places to vis- visit. But I think like Miami is a great city. Um, it's growing really fast. And it's very exciting to live here. And dude, who knows? Maybe when I'm 30, I'll end up in OC and have, you know, 18 daughters and <laughs> that'll be like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and if people are listening, like we want this to be engaging. If you live in a place that you think is deserving of a mention that we didn't mention, or there are other places, uh, let us know. Hit us up on social. Let us know. And then what's our what's our last one for today? What's our last topic? We're burning through these. Um, This one might take some time though. Best and worst phases of an agency. So, I everyone should know this by now. I worked at Structured Your Agency for uh, eighteen months. I got to see through a couple of different phases. Obviously, like you guys, you know, I was an employee. I didn't have transparency into everything that was going on, but I do know that I was kind of there through a handful of phases. I think that like I was number 12 with you. Um, I was there probably when you guys were like just starting to get into like the six, low six figure a month range, I'm, I'm assuming. But by the time I left, you guys were in like the low sevens a month, I think. So I... And then also like I went on to start my own and I've been through ups and downs with that as well. Like I think like right now is the best that it's ever been just because I don't have to think about it too much. Like my team handles pretty much everything. They're just really trained well, but like, I, I'm curious from your perspective, cause you've kind of seen the entire, you've been doing this for like five years almost yeah. six, six years. Yeah. Um. So like different revenue marks, different head counts, like what's the best and what's the worst phase of an agency? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's like four stages that I've been through. One is like just you and a partner, like when you're early, right? So it was like myself and a partner. Um, Looking back, I have fond memories of them. In the time, I don't know that they were as fun. I mean, I think they had a lot of fun, but like looking back, they also were like really stressful. But I think like in terms of like making money, you make more money in stage one than stage two. So when it's just you and a partner and you're kind of more like consultants or quasi freelancers that are quote unquote an agency, you know, you basically get to keep everything that you make, right? So we were making, I don't know, 30, 40, 50K a month as an agency, as two people. So we were keeping 15, 20, 25K a month, right? And that was great. The hard part there is like, you know, we tapped out, you know, we were getting burnt out. We couldn't take on more clients. Um, You know, clients were leaving left and right and we didn't have like a backfill because we didn't know what we were doing. So I think like stage one is like, when it's just you or you and a partner uh, or a, a mini team and you're trying to figure it out, you know, it's very profitable. The next phase is like you start hiring and building out some of the beginning stages of like infrastructure. So that part was fun because we got to bring on new people, didn't have to do all the work, the quality of the work increased. We got to work with new clients, but we made less money in that stage than we did in the first stage, right? So we were doing more revenue. So instead of doing, let's say 30 to 50K, we probably were doing... 50 to 70, maybe 50 to 80K, but we were making probably 10 to 20K instead of like 15 to 25K because we had to pay people, we had to reinvest. And then the third stage 
is like when you kind of get to this scale where like you're really heavily investing in growth and you start building out the team, you have layers of like, uh, you know, C-level and you've got like VPs and directors and managers and associates and analysts, right? And that is like, great. You have all this team. You're not really doing as much work. You're still involved, but you're actually making less money there or about the same. But, you know, instead of doing 50 or 70K or 80K, you're doing 100K a month, 150K, 200K a month. But like the margins are slimmer. And I think the last stage that like I'm in now, and I think there's still stages beyond this is like, I'm kind of just the face of the agency. Like I'm not very active in the day-to-day. I'm pretty removed. Um, And we're really heavily investing into growth right now to be able to one day sell the business. I think our headcount right now is like 139 people across like six countries working with like 150 clients. We acquired a few agencies. Um, And and now the cash too, it's it's better than it was, but it's not as great as it's going to be. I think like the, the last two stages that I haven't got to yet is like, you're just so efficient. You have all the good people. You have all the good processes. You've got everything in place. You've increased your prices where like you're now making the most amount of money. And then the last stage is like selling the business, you know, getting a big payday up front, having a big earnout over time. So like those are like the four primary stages I've been through with I think like two to come. What, what are your thoughts? What, what, what have you seen? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I also think like you're in a unique position because when you're doing email, like when you have an agency that is both performance and creative, you're in a tough spot where you're bring, you have to bring on so many people Yes, um, that it's like actually insane. Like it, your margins will go way down. It really does depend on the service that you're fulfilling. Um, because like, if you're just like, let's say you were just paid in like 2018, 2019, you'd need like three media buyers across like, 50 accounts. Like it's, super, yeah. it's super easy, but like with, with, you know, I, and I see this too, like, luckily I have a team who's quick and they're like trained super well and they're very talented. Um, but like, yeah, you need a lot more people to handle one account. You know what I mean? And so like you, you kind of need to go bigger. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it is different for every service, but yeah, specifically with email, it's super tough. Um, but I mean, like, I also think like there's a certain amount of money that like you should be okay with making and then only focus on instead of growing your own personal income, grow the business for the business's sake. Yeah. So like you like if the goal was just to make money for you and your co-founder at the beginning, you would you wouldn't have grown it to as big as it is now because you realize right. like, literally our salaries get cut in half every time we, you know, every yeah. phase you're into. So it doesn't actually make sense. Um, but you realize that like, as long as you're taking home between 20 and 30 a month, I feel like that's like where you're pretty comfortable. I don't know. Maybe it changes when you have kids and stuff like that. But that's when I started to feel like comfortable. I was like, all right, I'm good. Like top of the middle class, like you're, you're feeling good. Um, and then you get your payday when you sell. And so like a a well-built agency, a well-built business in general will sell and, you know, give you a nice chunk of change at the, at the end of it. So, and then you have to figure out what you're optimizing for. Yes. Um, but I mean, in, in terms of like my, my phases for my agency, like I hated the first three months because it was like such a grind to just get it going because I, I was jumping, right. I was a freelancer. And then all of a sudden I'm an email marketer now and I was doing it in a weird niche, like SaaS, like what? And then, so I had to like find clients that even knew what I was trying to do for them. And then find people that knew how to like, like I had to find a guy who was like a copywriter, but also could code. Like it was really weird. 
um, which I did. Shut up, Pierce. Um, and then, yeah. And then once I started to transition a little bit into doing just more general email, like six months in, like we started to really sort of like catch wind and that was really good. But then it started to get really busy and clients started to churn. And it wasn't until like October, November, where like my ops girl, Abby was settled in and she could kind of just run everything at that point. Then it was like really easy for me to only just do sales. And then like churn was way down and sales were way up because it was all I had to focus on. And now it's just a nice little business that kind of runs in the background that gets clients results. And, and you know, it's good. I don't really care to grow it, to be honest. Like I, I work with people that come to me. I'm not doing any outreach right now. I, I don't want it to grow. <laughs> Cause like, like I said, like you don't need it. If, if I made it bigger, it would just be more operationally complex yes. and it, it results in me making less money. And so it actually makes more sense for me to just keep it where it is, stay boutique, and then focus on the other moonshot, which is copy MBA. So, yeah. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm totally with you. Like, what's your optimizing for? Like, for me, I'm optimizing for uh, high leverage tasks with the least amount of time spent. So sure, I could probably work harder at the agency, could probably do more, but like, it would take me doing a lot more work and a lot more effort on that business to have like, you know, meaningful gains. So I'm happy with where things are at there. We're reinvesting, we're growing the business. I'm not all that stressed for like the big exit. And like you're doing with Copy MBA, I've got other businesses outside the agency that are better for like short-term than mid-term cash flow. Whereas the agency, you know, that's the the eight potential nine-figure exit one day, right? That's a 10, 50, $100 million potentially exit in the next two, three, four, five years, whatever that looks like. So dude, this was, this was awesome. Wait, before you go, I think that's a, I think that's a really interesting thing. You just said the way that you can structure your business where it's like, I think if you're going to work on more than one thing, you should have an equity play and you should have a cash flow play because like I said, like 20, 30 K a month is good, but like for you to really enjoy life, like you want to be somewhere near like 80, a hundred, I think, at least for me, I spend a lot. Um, but like, so you can fund your lifestyle with that. You probably still save some some money if you're smart. Yeah. Um, and then the you know the cash flow that comes from the equity play is minimal, but it's whatever, right? You just keep reinvesting. Yeah. And then like once you sell that for multi multi eight figures, then you you won't feel like you've sacrificed that much, and it's still going to grow at the same rate. So I don't know. I think I think that's a yeah. good way. To like you have you're kind of doing it right. I think. Yeah, for for me, the agency is the mid to long term play. And now that I have that vehicle in which it grows over time, and it, I wouldn't say it's a sure thing, but it, it's a good chance that it ends up being like a nice outcome for the team and myself and partners. I'm now focusing on okay, the other vehicle is the short term and mid term. So that's things like consulting, that's things like working with advertisers, that's things like affiliate marketing, it's things like courses, you know, it, you know, growth programs, etc. And then with the short-term stuff, right, allows you to pay your rent, go on vacation, do those things that kind of like are the, the basics, and then also have cash flow that you're allocating towards investments. So, you know, I invested into like a car wash. I'm about to look at investing into like a, a real estate deal. I've done some stock investing. So yeah, it's, it's nice to have like these different buckets in, in your mind and where you're allocating money and time. Um, and I think a lot of people are so focused on like long-term, like they're building these startups for five or 10 years that they never make money short-term, right? So I think yeah. like for me, I need to make some money short-term to know that like, okay, the bases are covered. And then from there, everything's gravy. So just the peace of mind that the short-term cash flow gives me um, is great while also having the other bets that I'm placing. Yeah. Or you're a rock star and you're retention.com and you're doing both. Where you're yes. 
profitable and also you're going to be worth a billion dollars by the end of the year huge Adam Robinson both are anyway um I think this is a great episode dude heck yeah Cardinal Mason on TikTok and Twitter for Mason and then myself is Ecom Chase Diamond no way in Diamond Mason you're the man this was great awesome man see you see you later